It's 2021. Modern Street Fighter games should be getting balance updates more than once or twice a year. Plus, four reasons why you're losing in Street Fighter V and the top 10 best alternate costumes in SF5, all on this week's episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. How's it going today? It is going pretty darn decently. A lot of ups and downs in the personal life, but I'm I'm coming in, man. I'm ready to do the show. Talked about Street Fighter is like pretty much what makes me tick. So, so yeah, <laughs> I had an it. interesting ups and downs kind of uh, last few days. Actually, it was Friday. I, I want to share this. I want to share this specifically with the audio listeners because uh, I don't think this will make it onto any of the YouTube videos. But hey, audio listeners, you're getting bonus content right now. My adventures with Ojos Locos. Uh, my mm. fiance Brittany and I on Friday night after I finished work decided for whatever reason she's like I want to go to Red Robin which is completely unlike her because she doesn't like you know she only likes really locally owned stuff to begin with but she's like I want to go to Red Robin and there's one maybe six or seven minutes up the freeway um, and so I, I got into the Red Robin mindset you know and uh, decided I really wanted some mozzarella sticks and uh, was like all right let's let's go because you kind of you know you got to get in the red robin mindset you can't just go to these places they're not that they're not that great and by the way like <laughs> uh, red robin please sponsor the show oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well right after this one um you know how like there used to be chilies and tgi fridays and applebee's like everywhere and there was like sort of a fad for them well and then people yeah. realized that they sucked and they were all the same thing and they're generic and soulless and everything's out of a bag from the back and they throw it in the microwave um, and so they all kind of died for the most part. Red Robin was just waiting in the in, in like the rafters, and they came in after all of the death of Chili's and Applebee's and all that stuff. And they just collected the remaining people that would still go there, and that's what's at Red Robin now. So we go in there, and it's just like everybody took their screaming kids on Friday night to dinner, and they seat us in the middle of the entire restaurant at this table made for at least six people. And it's just the two of us and it's super loud and there's kids running all over the place and throwing onion rings and stuff. And we sit down for like 10 seconds and Brittany goes, I don't want to do this. Let's 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 go. So all of this prep for Red Robin that I've been doing, it goes out the window. I'm not getting my mozzarella sticks. And we go out and, and in the parking lot, it's this big kind of like, you know, mall area parking lot. There's this place that just opened called Ojos Locos. And we go, mm. let's go, let's go over Ojos Locos. It looks cool. It's like some kind of a sports bar. We're not sure what it is. And so we walk, and it's maybe a good 200 yards down. So we have this nice little stroll through the desert parking lot. And as we get there, there's like a thousand cars in the parking lot of Ojos Locos. And we're like, what's going on? I mean, Red Robin was reasonably busy, but like not a thousand cars in the parking lot busy. Glad, glad we walked because we wouldn't have had a place to park. So we get up to the front. And we're like, what exactly is this place? And there's these two security guards out in the front, which at first I didn't even realize if they were guarding the door. But as I approached, they looked at me with they were not inviting they were just total suspicion they look at me and they go id and then so i give them my id and then they say turn around and they pat me down i'm like what what is this place i thought this was like a, a famous sam's or something like that they only ask britney for her id she gives it to them and uh, we go inside and it's this huge loud uh in um, by the way it's in the middle of the uh the playoffs so that was the suns and it was at okay. the lakers uh, I think uh, of the, the jazz, the jazz. The... Anyways, it's that well, uh, <laughs> you're pissing off all the NBA fans right now and stuff. So, uh, cause the jazz are playing the, the Clippers and then the Suns just beat, Oh gosh, someone else. And they advanced to the, uh, the Western conference. Right. Final. So shooty so, hoops was going it, on it, and the there was a total... big deal. I love it. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so there's just a million people in here. It's really loud. It's really bright. There are these giant beer bongs on every table where like, basically it's, it's the table's own tap, but it's this giant beer bong and all of the, the, the servers are young girls dressed in, um, basically lingerie they all have black lingerie on it was it was hooters but like for the bottom half basically it was in so we're like i come in to this place and i turn around and like Brittany, we probably don't want to be here and she's like we're here and i want to eat and oh well whatever we're committed so they sit us down and they seat us in the very corner of the restaurant farthest away from the middle of it um and ojos locos was an experience where it was Really loud, really loud, shooty hoop stuff, uh, butts everywhere. Uh, my, I'm not a dad yet, but my dad senses were going off everywhere, like, put some clothes on these girls and stuff. And uh, 
it was very, very different from a Red Robin Friday night. So uh, that was my adventure to Ojos Locos. I don't know that we'll ever be going back, but uh, we went once, and, and that's enough to last a lifetime. So, Wow. Yeah, that's... Um, I. I mean, I know what we're doing for your wedding and stuff when we go yeah, out there. Again, yeah, yeah, so. we'll go to <laughs> dude's brunch. Oh, that's gonna be awkward. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's I didn't even know that existed, but now it makes sense. Like I, the security guard being like, you know, usually you want customers to come in the door and stuff like that, but you you and I both know some people can get pretty rowdy at those kind of places. <laughs> yeah. So that's they're double checking and seeing like, hey, are you on our band list? Basically. So I by yeah. the way, I got a chicken sandwich, a buffalo chicken sandwich. It was pretty good. It was like a it was like a six point five, maybe a seven out of ten. So halfway decent. Yeah. But, oh, and our and our server, she was like maybe twenty and she didn't know what Shinerbach was, even though that was on their list of beers and everything. She it was she was not a very well-informed server. I, for some reason, something tells me that she doesn't make her money based on her knowledge of the menu. But uh. all right, now I have to ask you, John, how well did you tip her? Uh, like twenty percent. Oh, okay. So you did you did pretty good. Yeah. So John used to work at Red Lobster. Oh yeah, yeah. And when when he talks about like all like you know the Red Robins and other stuff like that, he's not BSing. He he worked in one of these places and he knows like I worked in a knows, couple of these places and they yeah. are devoid of all life and soul in the background for sure. So <laughs> speaking of devoid of all life and soul, let's talk about Street Fighter. Oh, okay. So that's so. not a good transition there. I'm gonna call you out right away because I think the game is in a is in a really good place. <laughs> and I think it's got there over the course of five years, and I think that it could have gotten there faster if we updated the damn thing more often. And I understand that we come from a place, and when I say we, I mean fighting games uh, and, and the fighting game community. There's a lot of trepidation about over um, overbalancing, right? And and, yeah. give, and the whole Mortal Kombat X thing and and all that stuff. Okay, I get it. That's established. Um, and and let's begin at the beginning of all of this i think fighting games and, and more specifically street fighter sort of did what almost all games do now with their regular updates from the start they were doing this 30 years ago with street fighter 2 right because there is two and the champion edition world warrior yep. champion edition super turbo all that stuff and i mean back in that time it took about a year and sometimes it was more than once a year but they would they would change and they would detail these games and, and make little adjustments because fighting games, if they're played, you know, in the competitive sense and, and how Street Fighter has come to be played and has been for a very long time, we care about the minute details. We care about frames and we're constantly tweaking and altering to make the experience better. That's something now that most genres, I feel like, do because of the modern age and the and the. Uh, technology that we have and the amount of data that's flowing back and forth constantly we can do that and it seems like um you know street fighter uh when when capcom was uh releasing the game it was just before it had come out street fighter 5 they pledged to update the game once a year and fans actually were pretty much on board with that because like i said that's kind of what we've come to expect uh, we actually ran a poll on it, and it was something like almost 60% of the responses were, yes, I'd like it no more than once a year. That sounds about right. Yep. Give us some yep. time with it. But that's antiquated, man. I, I think yep. that we need to be doing it much more than one time a year. And before I go into all of my details, though, I want to ask you directly, how do you feel about this generally right now? Uh, I think uh, back in the Street Fighter Four era, we should have been updating the game about once every two to three months but you've got a bunch of pro players who were super whiny about it um and they're like well blah 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 i've got to learn this and other stuff and it's like well too freaking bad you know and that's pretty much the reason how come developers have been maybe not as proactive about how often they should be updating these games mm -hmm. because when we know something is a very clear problem like and, and this goes back to like you know uh season two laura and balrog or you know season two urian and stuff like that like that that should be addressed pretty early on and that shouldn't be able to you know run rampant for a year you know that it should be like give it three or four months give it a little bit of time but especially with the games the way they're dissected now how much um technology we have in the fgc in terms of like you know twitch youtube uh how quickly everything is shared and just dissected it's a very different game than it was you know back in like the marvel 2 era or whatever where you know we would meet up periodically to try this stuff out but like day in and day out again like i always joke about the vhs tapes we used to share ice right? ice baby like that's yeah. <laughs> so, but that, my, my opinion is, is very strongly like 
probably about on average every three months there should be some more balance updates put into the game that's what i say something more right exactly and so i think that we should go from uh, what we're doing now which was proposed to be once a year first of all that's not even what capcom has done they've more or less been forced or at least it's felt that way that they've they've seen it fit to do these halfway through the season mid-season balance updates for the for the entire roster in most cases um where they've just been like you know once a year just isn't enough for our purposes and you look around and you see other games other genres uh i, I talk about heroes of the storm that's a moba right but you got like mobas you've got things like overwatch counter-strike um, there's there's plenty out there. So I went around looking and, and got a couple of examples of how often these other games tend to get updates. And for Heroes of the Storm, it, you can you can bet on an update just about once every month or so. And mm-hmm. uh, with Counter Strike, there's an update almost every week, sometimes two weeks, sometimes in like five days away from each other. Now, it's not the entire game that's being changed. It's not the entire roster. Some of it is just bug fixes, which Capcom does do with Street Fighter V. You see those kind of patch notes roll out usually about once a month or so, and it'll be like little things tweaked around here or there, but not gameplay-wise and, and not you know mechanics-wise and things along those lines, just little background bug problems. I think that uh, those these other places, these other games and such are doing it very, very frequently. And yes, there are potholes that you can step in if you're doing it that often but uh going from a year even every six months to once every three months i think would be huge for fighting games because now you're still you know you're still giving some time so that people can figure stuff out and they're not falling into the mommy patch it instead of figuring out how to actually beat the thing that appears to be overpowered at first and i think that's good i think you do need to give some time to say all right it feels crazy at first it feels overpowered but let's pick at it for a while maybe it's not what it seems that kind of a thing has happened plenty of times there's there's plenty of instances of that happening over the course of uh fighting games in street fighter but i don't i don't know i just uh it's the kind of thing where like you said with social media with cfn they got so much information so much data flowing back and forth that they can be taking that and being so much more effective and efficient with how they tweak their games you know they know right down to which characters are winning which characters are being picked well, like which V skills are being used and which V triggers are being used more often. They probably know how many times Honda is pressing Fierce Punch. Like they probably have that level of data. And you might say, well, I don't know how much manpower Capcom might have. And like, fair enough. But where these other companies are doing it every month, every week, I'm saying once every three months. And when we think about a, a balance patch, for Street Fighter, we're usually thinking it's the entire cast. No, it's mm-hmm. it's your problem moves. It's your it's your issues that you're hearing about repeatedly on Twitter, um, and 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 on places like event hubs, places like uh, what's the other one? Sure, you can. You know, we're all over the place. You, you hear this kind of information. You take what you're seeing in CFN, and and you kind of get an idea. And then so something like um, Seth's axe kick, for instance. Seth comes out. And people knew within about a week or two, uh, the axe kick looks like a problem. And you're starting to hear rumblings of, this is too powerful for multiple reasons. And Seth had a handful of things that were too powerful, but you could just use the axe kick um, example. And you go, all right, so I think I got an idea that this is going to be a problem, but you still have a few months to see if it continues to be for the community to figure things out about it. And if it still is a problem after three months, maybe it's time to tweak it. And maybe just by a few frames, that's just fine. Maybe reduce the hurt box or the hitbox rather just a little bit and then release it back into the wild and see what happens but instead with in the case of seth and the seth's axe kick we knew it was a problem in week or two week or week one maybe week two and we had to wait 12 months before that was actually attended to not only that but when you do it on this broad spectrum of like everybody gets changes and it's within like a new mechanic coming in and global changes to like now throws or this many frames or whatever it is um then it's not only balancing the individual things that you're that you're you know tweaking around everything uh bounces off of everything else and so mm-hmm. sure you're going to change a few things about nash to try to get him to where he needs to be but the whole game is also shifting simultaneously how how can you predict how the changes that you're going to give to nash are going to resonate with the virtually the entire rest of the cast plus the new mechanic if you bring a new mechanic in on a yearly basis and and i would say that 
in terms of mass global changes like that, maybe that could be limited to, to once a year or so, uh, not every time. And, and again, it's just like a few characters I'm talking about here at a time. Uh, but it really needs to be more along these lines. And then, so it's, you're not, it's like if you're trying to fine tune this game and you're doing it once a year, once every six months, the kind of dial that you're trying to, to twist, it's like, it's, it's instead of twisting a dial, you're like spinning the whole thing in the general direction you want things to go. And like, ah, well, we'll see where it ends up. And then wherever it ends up, it's like, well, ugh, that worked out a little bit and it really didn't work out here. But regardless, we're not touching it again for at least six months, probably a year. It's like, that feels so antiquated to me. It needs to not be the policy anymore. And yeah. with this approach, if if you if players know that something pops up like a like a ridiculous move that just seems to be overpowered for whatever reason, uh, then they know it's like okay, well we can we can do something about this. We can complain about it, or we can you know voice our opinions that it needs to be changed in a respectful manner, and that it likely will be so that what they're playing in is not so demoralizing. And it's like well they just have it, and then maybe Capcom will attend to it at the end of the year when they do their balance patch, but maybe they won't. And, and I got to look at like, you know, with this policy, we had Ryu to begin with was way too strong, right? In, in season one. And then so they way turned this knob in the other direction and they murdered him. And he was a joke of a character who also happened to be the franchise poster boy. How long and how many sessions of tweaks and, and balance patches did it take to get Ryu to a place that he needed to be for him to feel like a respectable poster boy for the for the game and for the franchise it was like five years right mm. like four four or five years how long oh, yeah, did yeah. alex need to be attended to and how many balance patches did he need to go to how many times did lariat need to alex get buffed? still needs to be attended to man <laughs> alex right is, uh, he's a problem and and, and, and but he's, he's better <laughs> than he than he has been and he's yeah. not the meme that he's been for so long and then like with nash more recently uh, and so like all of these problems, how many times did we need to attend to Rashid before he got to a relatively good spot? And like, and instead of that, you could say, okay, Rashid's a problem. Let's tweak one thing or two things about him, put that back out into the widely otherwise unchained, unchanged atmosphere and see how that resonates and see how it bounces off. It's like you have the ability to be so much more precise with your balance, which is so important for these games. And everybody else has adopted this and then taken it to the next level. Like I said, Street Fighter was kind of the first ones to be doing this kind of thing. Um, but now everybody else is doing it on a much more frequent basis. And I would argue seeing much better results. And for, for Street Fighter specifically, to not be jumping on this particular train, I think, is, a, is an error. And I think that under the new management, um, since uh, some previous staff members have left, I think we're seeing more updates now. Uh, the most recent patch is doing more of this, uh, where they buff the heck out of Nash, and it's great to see. Uh, and now Nash is actually something of a character, where before he was pretty much worthless. Uh, now he's like actually interesting, and, and you know, you're seeing some good stuff from him. And it's really important in fighting games, I think, that there's not just this incredibly clear separation of tiers mm -hmm. where there's a viable tier and then there's like just some characters like you just never touch because they're worthless right and i think that with gil uh now even like he was previously in that tier for a lot of people i think now that you're seeing some kind of results and other stuff with him they give him a significant buff to his meter gain and now you're seeing more gil players come out uh, i know uh, nemo's playing him more often now um there, there's you know this is the kind of stuff we're talking about and it's not like you know Gil got the world set on fire in terms of like what his changes were. It's like, no, we give him a bit more meter gain. And all of a sudden, all the, the people who are putting time into Gil, they're like, well, let me put some more time into him. Mm -hmm. and, and that makes your game so much better when you have true diversity in it. Um, and, you know, I, I get Rashid and Makuma and all that stuff being villains and all that. But we're, we're also talking about when people go online and like they're going to decide between, you know, playing Hearthstone or playing Street Fighter Five, it's like, well, Street Fighter Five just got some new balance updates for my main character. Mm -hmm. Let me go try that out. You know, let me let me go see if this can, you know, reignite some of my passions for the game leads into DLC sales and all that kind of stuff. And I, I do think Capcom is wrapping their head around this approach now. Uh, I don't know exactly what the holdup was before. It could have been a lot of things, uh, but I do know that it seems like they're 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 gravitating more towards this approach now mm -hmm. so yeah i i really like that um i also think like street fighter 5 in general took about five years to get to a place where most of us were were ultimately happy with it and i think that that could have been achieved in maybe two years maybe three years um if this other approach were, were taken up 
Um, and that's not some, <laughs> it should have been a good game to begin with, whatever, all that stuff. But that's not what I'm getting at here. I'm just saying that I, uh, the, the, the changes and the improvements could be more precise and more directed and more frequent if we do it this well, obviously more frequent. But I, it's just so much better of a policy given the setting that we're in now, given how things work, and given the examples of other games around us that we see. It's like, I, I not only do I want to see if my character is better, but maybe if I go online now and I know that um, Cammy's dive kick was... was uh, nerfed in a certain way and I can uh, implement this new strategy of v-shifting and punishing it That's something else for me to grab onto and try to to beat the the former top tiers I know every time um, a new heroes of the storm patch comes out We have, a, I have a, like a little uh, chat with uh, like six or seven other guys that I tend to play with Someone will link up the patch notes and note like oh Vala got changes She was like super OP and now she's not gonna be as bad anymore. It's like it'll oh thank goodness That's gonna be really nice and also, you know Anduin got some buffs. Why do you get buffs? That doesn't make any sense but we'll take it. I play him, you know, and things along those lines. And it gets conversation started. It gets uh, it gets fires and passions ignited. And that's something that we've seen an issue with Street Fighter a lot of times. And not just in 5, but like the, sometimes these games start to feel stale, especially when expectations in the gaming world, generally speaking, have, have kind of yeah. grown in this direction where I think... Uh, you know, it's 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 a game as a service. I expect it to be fine-tuned because I know you guys can and I know that you do. And and again, to ask Street Fighter to do it once every three months is still not that much, especially compared to most of the others around right now. I think we could have much better games. I think, oh, no one's playing Fong. Okay, tweak him up a little bit. Give him something that's more fun. Get him closer to where you want him to be. Make make him more appealing in some way. Oh, you over you overcorrected and he's way too good now. All right, fair enough. Well, we'll correct back a little bit. And we're not so committed that like we don't have to be so afraid of changes because if you do too much, hey, in three months, and maybe if you need a super balance patch, like a, a an immediate um, emergency balance patch, you could do that too. And you only have to take a handful of characters at a time, the ones that are making the most ruckus and maybe the ones that are making the least ruckus, and, and attend to them a little bit and then see. So, so much more precision, so much faster in, in terms of making your game get to where it goes. And, and again, this is Capcom 101. This is how they've been doing things. It just needs to be uh, sped up. And I think if they do that, they can start competing with... Um, well, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself there, but I think it's a much better look for them, and I think that their games thrive even more, and uh, and their and their audience is more involved and more excited and more trusting, and all of these things. I think it's. it's... I, I I agree for the most part, but I also I've talked to some Capcom staff members, and their view of Street Fighter Five is not really positive now the game is in a better spot than it's ever been but in terms of like how long of a lifespan this game has in front of it i, I think again like you you just do the right thing no matter what and updating the game more often is the right thing to do right but it's also like i know that a lot of resources are going into street fighter 6 and it's hard for capcom to keep this game as updated maybe as they maybe want to i don't want to make too many excuses well, I, and here. i think that yeah, these kind of balanced things drop off as the team gets fewer yeah. and they move on to different projects that's completely understandable i don't even i'm not necessarily even making this argument for street fighter 5 right now I, I think sure but i don't know they probably already have their plans and it might be a little bit too late for this but i mean as policy moving forward when we get street fighter 6 if we get another Marvel, if you know future Capcom fighting titles, and I think fighting titles in general for the for the most part, especially from AAA big time developers like Capcom, uh, regularly attend to them. People are going to be excited. They're going to make your games better. You're going to get through the problems that your games have much more rapidly, and uh, it's it's just good on all sides. And and you know make it happen, make it work. It's yeah. it's 2021. Update your games more often. Hey, I agree. Totally agree. All right, John, do you want to talk about the four reasons why you're losing in Street Fighter V? And, and me too, and everyone else. You said that just, so I'm excited, only... like, because, yeah. I mean, I appreciate your enthusiasm with that, right? But you're like, do you want to talk about why the four reasons <laughs> you're losing? And I'm like, I'm on board, I'm on board. Oh my gosh, a self-reflection. I'm a terrible person, and I, I don't have enough LP, and I'm not cool. Um, so, but, but yeah, I'll, I'll ride that wave. I, why, why am I losing so much in Street Fighter V, and why are you so excited about that? All right, because I'm so excited because there are easy ways to fix it. These are tips that anyone can use, relatively speaking. So if you find yourself constantly saying, I always lose to that move, that's reason number one. You're losing more often than you should. You need to watch more of your own footage. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, just load up actually your own replay after a set. Um, and that's one of the best ways to do it. You have to do it every single time. But if you find that you're always losing to say like, you know, Rashid's V trick or something like that, go load up your last CFN matchup against a Rashid. Go look at the frame data in there. Go look at the inputs, go look at all that kind of stuff. And oftentimes you can easily see if you're negative plus all that other kind of stuff. It's a really easy method that a lot of people don't do. It sounds like you want to jump in on that one. I have a duality, I think, as all of us do. Some people love mm-hmm. watching their losses. They're weird. Mm-hmm. I, that's not me at all. I, I hate the stuff. Like, I, I don't... I, yeah, it's not me. But at the same time, when I finally do get myself to go in and watch a replay, and I, I learn so much so quickly. Because I'll, I'll find myself being, don't do that stupid. And then I realize that was me and go, okay... Well, I, I can identify what I was thinking and feeling in that moment. It's usually much more of a feeling thing instead of a thinking thing if you're making a dumb mistake. And and the 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 way that it helps you broaden your understanding of what you're looking at and then therefore have the ability to make the change because you kind of put the specific issue under the microscope. And it's usually something super simple. It's like, just keep blocking here. You have an instinct to tech or whatever the thing is. But if you just keep blocking here, that solves this problem, which will then keep you out of this situation, which will then let yeah. you do this more. And and the, the, the changes can be so easy, so obvious and, and so impactful but only if you get yourself to go in there and and i say that and i rip i've reaped those benefits before and i still go like i don't want to go and watch the replay it's going to take so long it's going to load up i gotta watch myself get my ass kicked again i just lived it i so i get it i get the reservation to not want to do it but also as someone who's done it i I, i'm preaching to you and to myself keep doing it or start doing it yeah. And actually, that's a, I'm glad you brought up the time thing, because uh, my next point is actually doesn't take a lot of time. Like, I don't recommend going back and watching every single one of your replays. Um, I think a lot of people would rather be spending time playing the game. That's what they're there for. Yeah, right? narcissist. Uh, <laughs> but what you want to do is just when you run across a move like repeatedly, like you're just like, OK, well, what's Kin's Tatsu on block in this scenario and other stuff? And what can I you know punish it and stuff with? Like, I, I've ran into it, you know, 20 times um, because I'm in Brazil and there's only two bar, three bar Kin players or something that is what the meme is is what i've heard in brazil but um anyway uh, um, comment with your with your best brazilian ken story from your online ventures (laughs) i've heard it's a thing so uh but anyway um just go back and look at the replay for that uh, and just go to the round go to the situation that happened and actually only takes about a minute to go do um now if you do need to grind out the footage like session like you know, have a beer, put on some music, uh, listen to the Event Hubs podcast. I don't know, something like that. Um, and you can actually make it kind of a fun thing that you do. Like, it, it, it's more of like, you know, when you're watching footage, you don't have to be grinding it out. It's just more of kind of like picking up on these little patterns and stuff and like have a good time with it. Uh, that's It's a whole point about this is just like, it, it shouldn't be a slog. Um, you should be able to like kind of get in, get out, get the information you need and you're good and then kind of move on from it. That's like, so that's why it's number one. Um, I, also, I do recommend um, that sometimes people they go, okay, well, like, I, I like watching my footage, but I also want to check out, like, what Sako is doing or what Daigo is doing. And that's good, but it also can be bad depending on your level. Like, what I often do for myself is I, I focus on, on uh, players that, like, are a rank or two above me uh, because sometimes the stuff that Sako is doing is, like, I'm just not capable of doing that right now. It's far beyond me. Like, all the levels he's going through, I'm going, uh... Can you, when, I'm just trying when, to DP here. When they're doing something and it seems simple, but you don't know why it's working, like why are they jumping and it works? And every time I jump, it doesn't work. That's because there's a disconnect, not because they're magical, but because they're aware of a bunch of little things that you're probably not aware of yet. And I think that's what sort of you're getting at there is that. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so, it, it, yeah. What, so let's say you're silver rank, go watch someone who's gold rank, you know, and, and a lot of their stuff might be a lot easier to translate. And, and again, if, if like some of these people, like they're like, Hey, you, you follow my gold rank Nash, you know, like on CFN, why do you do, why do you watch all my replays? It's like, well, I'm silver rank. This is super helpful. Like you don't realize like you're a step above me and, and the stuff like, you know, Sako or whoever's doing or Bonchan is just way too advanced for me. And, but you're like, you're closer to my level. And so this stuff translates a little easier. Mm-hmm. So it's not just watching your footage, also watching footage of, of people who are comparable to you. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah, you're not trying to like, for another shooty hoops example, you're not trying to like do the kind of things LeBron James is doing at his best when you're trying to work on how do I consistently dribble with both hands and like maybe, you know, through the legs kind of a thing. So it's not helpful for you to try to be learning how to dunk from like the free throw line when, uh, when you're just trying to get basic dribbling skills down. But like some guy that's just been doing it for a little bit longer than you, that's the guy that you're going to have something to learn from because it's 
a bite-sized, feasible step forward that you can take. You don't have to jump from half court all the way, all, you know, across the the whole thing. I want to see someone jump from half court though, because that sounds pretty check awesome. out Space Jam. <laughs> well, hey. You know what? They got a sequel coming out too. So mm. good point. All right. So speaking of Space Jam 2, number two is don't be in the wrong spots on the screen. Street Fighter V is actually a pretty unique game in the franchise where it's quite similar to Marvel where offense is king. There are certain spots on screen where if you're there, you're eating an awful mix up. Um, almost every single V trigger in the game is about plus 1000 on block, except for Falk for some reason. I don't know what Capcom was doing there, but regardless, pretty much, um, the, one of the most obvious things you see, like from a Karen player is like sweep range. Like you, they're going to sweep and go into V trigger with Kami. It's crouching heavy punch into V trigger. When these fighters have V trigger, it's very, very, very likely they're going to try to activate it because it, it is a super advantageous situation for them. And so since this is a, a Marvel versus Capcom type of game, and, and, you know, like Marvel, basically, if you were in the wrong spot on screen, someone would call it assist. They do a move and they do 50 mix ups. And it's like, OK, can you block that? Probably not. Like it, it is offense is very dominant in that game. And so is it in Street Fighter V. And so it, actually you're at an extreme disadvantage if you're in certain spots on screen. Mm -hmm. You basically just need to get the hell out of those and make someone commit to activating their V trigger, for example. So if you're outside of Cammy's crouching heavy punch range, um, that's a that's a much bigger commitment for her because if it blocks or hits normally, like it doesn't matter because V trigger, she's going right into it, right? Um, but you want to make it whiff. You want to not be there. And then all of a sudden it whiffs and it's like, okay, well now you have a punish opportunity or you have an escape opportunity and your opponent will kind of start to flail to get into their V trigger. Their V trigger is so good, unless they're Urian, then they have a free activation every time. But Besides Urian players, um, you you, you kind of want to space them out and basically kind of get them on tilt for trying to activate too much. And then, then you can get a jump in, then you can get other stuff. There's a lot of things that that opens up, just basically not being in the spot on screen where someone can kill you. Yeah, I think the most obvious and probably the best place to start with this is absolutely V triggers because of what they are, because of how they can they can change the uh, the course of rounds so quickly. I, I just recently did a big uh, exploration on Laura. We're gonna have a video coming out about that in uh, in the next few days, and a lot of it was you know it, the fact of the matter is you don't want to be in her V trigger blender to begin with. So the fight is actually to stay out of where you might get put into that, and a huge part of it is well when she wants to activate where and how does she like to activate the most. Most, and then so how do you position yourself to not be susceptible to that and so that's a really good place to start and you absolutely need to know that for v-trigger but you can see how um, just understanding where the best places for your character to stand and where not to stand depending on who you're fighting against are incredibly helpful this it's the kind of thing that not a lot of people think about in the real-time strategy but it's so good I mean um, one of the most obvious ones is like if guile has you cornered kind of caged and is just throwing light sonic booms where you can't react with a jump you're never gonna get him because his recovery is too quick but he's right at that perfect distance that sweet spot a lot of zoners have it right where they can throw a fireball safely and still anti-air you if you try to jump over it it's like you just don't want to be there like you don't want to make your next move in terms of trying to get offense started until you manipulate the the spacing that you are from them so that you can be more effective because there they have all of the cards right and so you need to find out the places where you hold all the cards and you need to know where they hold all the cards avoid those spots and try to get into the ones where um, it's beneficial for you not just with v triggers but where your character can make their game plan whether you know and whatever that might be trying to goad them into overextending trying to be ready to pounce on them uh, if they throw a fireball whatever it might be but paying special attention to those things again it's it's not intuitive for everybody it, it, it certainly hasn't been for me I, I think I do it to a like to a degree instinctually but being um, actively aware with the front of your brain so to speak about those kinds of things can be hugely helpful it, it's just like this is the nature of like what it implies and how that changes the juggling act and what your opponent has to hold if you're in those spots versus if you're not it's it's such a powerful tool and it's something that you should be working with actively in your gameplay so 100 percent agree there you go uh, number three is a reason why you're losing is your mental game is off this is a game designed to put you on tilt it's very commitment commitment based so keeping as calm as you can is huge you see players like tokido daigo and others practicing deep breathing between rounds 
in focusing on deep breathing, there's an actual science behind this. The University of Michigan, despite dis disavowing all of the badass stuff the Fab Five did, they noted that when you breathe deeply, it sends a message to your brain to calm down and relax. Uh, this is science, people. Like, this is actual science. It impacts your health. It's something everyone can do. And when your brain is more calm and relaxed, you have a better chance of reacting to that kin mix-up. Even if the, the kin player is from Brazil and has two-bar connections, you have a better chance of doing that. Shout out to all of our Brazilian fans out there that are, uh, you know, <laughs> All of you that just left, time. thank you for, for your time that you did commit to the Event Hubs podcast yes, and YouTube so channel. Leave a comment that. on your way out and please don't unsubscribe. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, but of course, you know, uh, anyway, um, I, I digress. When your your brain is more calm and relaxed, uh, you have a better chance of reacting to to anything that's going on in the game. You, you, you might know exactly how to block. You might know what to do. But if your brain is all on tilt, your chances of reacting are much less and uh, reacting correctly, I should say. Mm -hmm. So um, deep breathing is one of the best ways to lower your body's stress levels. Um, and, and again, it's, just, it's a very simple thing that I see a lot of people not doing, just taking a minute. Just like Street Fighter V's rounds, like the pauses between them, they're pretty long, or between games and stuff like that. Shout out to load times, right? Uh, I think it was like Bonchan or someone like that. He's like, the load times are so long, I have a really good chance to get my mental composure back between, you know. <laughs> Especially on PS4. I played on PS4 last night at our little outing, and I was immediately reminded, like, oh my gosh, I just grew three more gray hairs in the time it took this match to load up. <laughs> I don't need any more gray hairs, man. But yes, yeah, so um, there are a lot of mental exercises that you can do to get yourself in the best possible spot to play. Like mm -hmm. just playing up to your potential. Like if, you know, I don't care if like you're, you're playing at maximum potential, you're probably not beating Daigo on your best day unless you're a pro level player, right? But if you're playing the best you possibly can for your skill set, you're doing everything you can. And a lot of that comes down to mental composure. A lot of that just comes down to, you know, doing breathing exercises or getting into the right mindset or just focusing on what you need to be focusing on and i can't tell you how many players i see crumble in the mental game all the time and it, it's hard it's legitimately hard to do i i used to be very much of the mind that these little things like oh, take a breath and breathe and all that stuff was kind of just hullabaloo and and maybe it was some kind of a like if you're ritualistic about it it might help other individuals but it was never a thing for me because I was always about like what can i tangibly see change things for me in a like sweeping way when I was a little kid, I think this ties into it too. I'm playing, a, again, basketball, shooty hoops. Uh, there's an SNES basketball game, uh, NCAA, and I used to only take half-court shots. I didn't want to deal with the nuances of trying to drive up and, and get two points. What was that? No, just like shoot broadly and get three points and see the, the score change as much as possible and have these most impactful things. Um, the little details didn't add up to much for me. But um, with something like this now, I can really appreciate how it really comes down to this little tiny weights on a scale. It doesn't have to be this giant, you know, anvil that you put down to affect some change. It can be little things here and there, little breaths, little um, um, reminders to yourself, whatever it is that helps you specifically and take the time to figure out what helps you specifically. Uh, I think those things really do add up. And, uh, and that's just by an evidence of, of like experience and seeing like, yeah, I do get tilted. I, I, these things do affect me and taking deep breaths does something both physically, you know, like the, the chemicals, the way things balance out in your brain and such, you know, I, I think it, it helps with all of those kinds of things. And it really does add up to legitimate, helpful change. So I come from a place where I used to be like, no, nah, you just need huge, obvious, sweeping, changing things that'll help you or not. No, the little things add up. And so um, all those all those small things do them. Yep. So number four on the list is dialing back your bad habits. And this one is a doozy, but it's really, really, really important. Um, this game is all about being efficient and not making a ton of hard reads consistently. I know this game is about commitment, but how many hard reads are you going to make before you, you know, you rip a EXDP or something like that that you should not, right? And... Let me give people an example of a bad habit, though, that, that's a little bit more of a tangible thing. Let's say that, like, 70% uh, of the time when you open up a round, you jump forward. And your success rate for doing that is only 20% or so like you, you know, and so there's a pretty big reward for jumping forward in this game. And you might think, well, like 20% of the time it works, you know, 20% uh, of the time it works every time. Every right? time. Um, uh, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't ever jump forward. But if you're if you're only having 20% success on it, you probably need to dial that back a little bit better. So you're not getting rid of a bad habit because like, I don't know how many bad habits truly exist in Street Fighter V because you never want to take options entirely off the table in this game. That's a very different kind of Street Fighter thing than we've had in the past where it's like, 
yeah, that button in that move in Street Fighter 4, you should just never use it, ever. That's not this game. Like, there, pretty much all these options, all these things, they have a purpose, they have a reason for it. But you do need to look at how successful you are with them versus the the risk and reward uh, of what you get for actually doing them. So, for example, let's say that when you're cornered, you go for a tech throw 50% of the time. Now, it's not that you shouldn't ever go for a tech throw when you're cornered, but 50% of the time is might be too much for your character and your situation. So what you can do is you can try to go to it like maybe 30% of the time. And instead of that, you replace it with like a, a crouching light punch or a crouching light kick, a jab move, basically. And, and you just basically make a conscious effort to do less throw techs, especially when you're going back and watching your footage and other things. And you're saying like, okay, that's a real problem for me. This is a bad habit. Let me dial this back a bit. And that's really where the big focus comes in. It's not about like getting rid of the things you do because you're probably doing them for a reason it's just like finding what you're not efficient what you're not good at doing as well as often and then just you know tweaking the knob down a little bit just turning it down a bit mm-hmm. the the feeling as i think about this and and the process of especially someone like me i, I play very instinctually and don't update at least historically speaking didn't update my gameplay in the in real time very often so like especially in sf4 coming from there it was all about throw techs and then i'd have problems with that in that game if someone started to blow me up for it and i had problems in street fighter 5 still kind of adhering to that idea of throwing too often so i might get shimmied a little more often than the average player something like that um when you identify that kind of an issue whatever it might be and then you finally do the thing that your instinct your gut wasn't telling you to do but it but it's it's the other choice it's like well try this out here it's almost like it's hard to do because it's not what your gut is saying but you break through that kind of um that fake false barrier and all of a sudden when you do it you begin to like teach your 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 mind or your psyche that that's okay and not only is it okay to do not only is it an option it actually feels better you do that a couple of times and then you sort of reprogram yourself to either it's usually not to just do that now every time in the situation because it's usually like a a revolving you know wheel of choices that you have to make but you start to sample that in and then your your brain kind of does it for you as you continue to play and you pepper that in it just gets adopted as now one of the revolving options that you can go to and that refines your abilities but you have to have that initial breakthrough to uncomfortably press you know um what would one be like waking up and to, to beat shimmies on your wake up so instead of throwing every time i have to wake up with low forward which for me was like an eight frame move at the time i remember like doing it for the first time and going everything in my being says i just want to protect myself from the throw here but my my logical brain said well i keep getting blown up for that what's the answer this very risky when you're thinking about a wake-up situation low forward but i did it and it worked and then the rewards came in and all of a sudden that but got put into the network of possibilities for what i do in this situation and (laughs) don't wake up with it very often but it's there and uh, and and so that's the process of adding in new tools to your arsenal and diversifying your options your portfolio there you go uh, so to recap the four rules, make sure, number one, you're watching your own footage and and looking for when you run into consistent problems, right? Number two, don't be in the wrong spots on screen at the wrong times. Like, just don't do it. It's Street Fighter Five. You're going to die. Uh, number three, don't let your mental game be off. And number four, dialing back your bad habits. Those are four simple rules that you could follow that anyone can use. And if you're already doing it, hey, more, more power to you, but any player on the planet can use this stuff. You see it from the pros, you see it from other people, you see it from those two-bar Brazilian kin players that are out there. Sometimes, maybe, maybe they're doing one of them. I feel maybe, like you or maybe don't. They need I feel like that's the point is that you don't, but fair <laughs> enough. Agree to disagree. <laughs> All right, John, what you got? Well, man? something that you cannot disagree with, the objective 10 best alternate costumes Ooh. in Street Fighter V as told by me. There are like 6 billion costumes at this point, 3 billion in Chun's wardrobe, and the rest go to the rest of the other uh, 42 characters or whatever it is. Um, But I have gone through and objectively listed the best alternate costumes, starting with, and these are in no particular order, Ryu's Jin Seotome, is that how you say that? Uh, costume. Now, this is cool in and of itself. It's a crossover for another Capcom character, and it's like a cool like ninja robot with uh, a robot-esque sort of a thing with um, spikes on his armor and whatnot and a long-flowing kind of like samurai headband. That's just fine. But the reason that this costume is one of the absolute best is because if you do the Easter egg code, which is, I believe, hold... I just hold all punch, light kick, and up, and I think it's all three punches, or I don't know, but that, that gets it done. Uh, when you do that, Ryu sheds all all of it, save for the headband 
and his underwear, which is like thong-like underwear, gives Yurian's banana hammock a run for his money. And this is the best because it, it's it's incredibly distracting, first of all. Uh, and when you win with Ryu, his win pose is he turns away from the camera and begins walking away to the next fight, very Ryu. And it holds on this shot of his perfectly toned and sculpted buttocks that's just right there for you to feast your hungry eyes on. Um, and so what happens is, as you play against people, they don't realize it, but subconsciously, they want to lose to this character so that they can get to that win screen. And, and I find that if I play this Ryu, I get so many more wins just because people subconsciously want to lose to him. So it's one of the absolute best costumes in the entire game. Uh, I think it's color number five gives you the uh, blue armor and the red underwear, which I think is the best of all of them. So Ryu's super sexy, perfect buttocks, Jin Satomi costume, one of the best. Did you have any comments yeah, you, on you, that? Well, the red draws attention to it. So it's very important. And, and that's the one I see almost everyone use online. They're like, look... If you're going to be looking somewhere, you better be looking at where this red thing is at, you know, and and so you're you're pretty much your attention is really drawn and focused there. And I could not agree with you more that that is definitely the best color for that alternative outfit. Yeah, absolutely. OK, so number two, Blanca Chan. You guys knew this one was coming. We'll get it out of the way fairly early here. This was probably the most impactful costume. Eh, there are some other ones that are in that discussion there. But when Blanca Chan came out, it was such a such a thing. It was a moment. We did multiple stories on it and they, they did well. Like people were engaged with them. They wanted to explore this. So many memes came out. And it's not just that the costume looks uh, goofy and entertaining in and of itself, which it does. This giant kind of plushy version of this character, and he's a fighter. It's like, it, how could you do any damage with these big foam arms, right? That's not the point. Point is, it so perfectly lines up with who Blanca is as a character. And not how he was originally designed necessarily, but how he has evolved as a character and in the way the community perceives him to be something of a troll. And, and to win with these tactics that are not necessarily legitimate when it comes to general street fighter theory and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, what do you imagine is going on in a Blanca's brain or a Blanca player's brain when they're going ham on you online and using lag to hop around and do goofy, unsafe, you know, balls and things like that? If you were able to look into the brain, you just see like one of those monkeys with like the, the symbols going, right? And when you look at Blanca-chan, it is that incarnate. It's just this big, dumb face. I know it doesn't have a tongue hanging out, but it might as well, like a, like a goofy dog with a tongue hanging out the side of his mouth. And you think, like, that is how the community sees Blanca when they get rolled by him, <laughs> by his balls, yeah. online and stuff. <laughs> it's like you, you were just sitting there, and there's the monkey with the symbols in your brain, and you beat me, and it's super frustrating. Well, this costume, just you, you can almost see it. Inside of the costume is just the monkey with the symbols. And, um, and so it caused such a stir in such a good way. It was it so totally encapsulated what this character has become, and I think it was a really smart and really well-executed executed choice by Capcom. Yeah, I forget the the do 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 like the the goofy music that plays when um you know like something you know it happens in a sitcom and other stuff like that. But like Blanca's music should be replaced by that whenever he picks a Blanca Chan costume, <laughs> and maybe it can like come from his outfit, like he's got like a music box in there or something like that that plays while he fights. Because it, it's like and, and again, it's Blanca. He's a shenanigan character. Like if he was not that, I would be pissed off about it. And so big ups to Capcom. Like Blanca Chan became a phenomenon for a while. This is like it is a gold costume like if i played blanca i might use this uh i might use the one with like you know the most distracting features too that i could find it, it's like this is what you do with blanca yeah. and if he didn't have this like i just feel like the the game would be worse for it yeah so. and and you can you, we all know what it is to get frustrated by blanca right and you imagine if you were to scream and yell your frustrations at blanca chan and he's just sitting there with his eyes going in like different directions and like you know tongue hanging out of his mouth it's like who's the idiot that guy or yeah. the guy that's screaming at that it's just it's it's so perfect i, I love it <laughs> all right little change of direction here number three is chun li's battle dress that's the black and gold dress it is absolutely beautiful she lets her hair down it has been cosplayed a bajillion times and hot damn is it sexy is it gorgeous this is just an example of of cap and and i think capcom with this and uh, and hot ryu 
they really wanted to make an impact and really give uh, their their poster boy trademark um, um, characters something of uh, like a little extra oomph when the game released or shortly thereafter. Give people something to talk about, care about, spend their money on. And and this just did it. I don't think I've seen a Chun Li costume come out that's that's better than this one. Um, I mean, her her iconic original costume that is what it is. But man, I really like the battle costume. And like I said, but how many times it's been cosplayed and how often we talk about it and and how still it, it's relevant despite her having three billion other costumes. I think really speaks to it. So just really gorgeously done, well executed, and and perfect for Chun Li. Yeah, I can't add anything more than what you just said there. It looks great. So great costume. <laughs> All right. This next one is probably a little controversial in that I don't think a lot of people would uh, realize that this is objectively one of the 10 best costumes in the entire game because um, I don't see it very often. But that is Kage's Asura crossover costume. This uh, Asura is is an interesting character. Is an, another Capcom character from a whole other game, um, which I think that there's some overlap. And uh, Akuma showed up in Asura's Wrath, if I if I um, understand it correctly. I've never yeah, played, or like Oni or something like that. I forget exactly who, mm -hmm. but it was a uh, one of the the devil. Mm -hmm. uh, Oni characters. Right. Yeah. And and um, Evil Ryu being like a demon version sort of in that realm of uh, you know Capcom's poster boy, Ryu, it, it makes sense. And um, so he becomes Asura. And, and that's cool in and of itself. He's kind of got this like sort of broken, cracked, the thing skin. And it, it totally works for the characters, little horns and everything. It looks decently like Asura. But then when you do the Easter egg, he gets all of Asura's arms and throws up all the gang symbols, you know, at once. And then, like, that's something that is is just every time I would do it, uh, like, playing at casuals or tournament or whatever, people would talk about it. They'd be like, oh, I didn't realize. Like, that's super cool, and that's interesting, and what, what's that? And, like, is that, you know, West Side, Bloods, whatever it was. And uh, it was just, it was it's always been really funny, and um, not really funny, but really cool. It's funny to see that, like, people are like, oh, their, their reactions to it and such. But it's one of my favorite, and he's got a couple of different good colors that just really, uh, between that and the and the pants that he's wearing, because he doesn't have a shirt on for it, um, they just look really cool. And I think it's a super underrated costume that not enough people play. I mean, not a ton of people play Kage in the first place, and he has some good other costumes as well, but that one, I think, is is his best, and one of the best in the whole game. Yeah, people who disagree with that opinion and who happen to be gang members, please don't kill us for this. <laughs> we, we don't support gangs here on Event Hubs. and uh, Yeah, so there it is. So, yeah, but I agree. It's a, it's a great costume. Yeah, thanks for clarifying I just don't want to die. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next one up on the, the list. The Brazilian kin players are going to come after me next, man. It's, <laughs> I'm done. The Sharks, the Jets, this and the Brazilian Kens, huh? Yeah, my, 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 this is my last episode of the Event Ups podcast. I'm done. I'm canceled or I'm going to be killed. One or the other. So there it is. Right on. Well, before that happens, uh, the next one here on the list is Lucia's sporty beach volleyball costume. It is simple. There's not a ton to it, which is part of its charm. Lucia is a very well-designed character. I think she's pretty pretty. And this costume really uh, helps her show her stuff off. You know, it's it's it's. It's nice to look at. And same idea as the uh, the Ryu stuff, but just in kind of the other direction. Um, not a ton to say. It's just it's cool. And when you do the um, the uh, what you call it, the Easter egg, she actually puts on this top that's kind of looks like a raggy top. It doesn't look very good. And then she puts on the uh, like the the sports dad shades, which <laughs> it's kind of funny, but certainly takes away from the whole thing. Don't do the costume, uh, but also do the red version. It's it's pretty good. That's the one Thrasher uses against me all the time. And again, it's distracting for me. I have to put my Ryu yeah. against his uh, Lucia, and just whoever has the weaker mind that day ends up losing. So. Yeah, I, I do have to d disagree with you on this one. I would I would have went with Lucia's bunny ears. I love that costume. Uh, she looks fantastic in it. But this one's a, a really good one too. So <laughs> I just you know I like the bunny ears. I'm a little partial to that. But you know, there you go. Fair enough. Uh, but you're wrong. Okay, next one up. <laughs> this one you almost never see anymore because the character rarely gets played uh, in the first place. Um, uh, and also I wanted to point out, I, I've really, I've kept it to one costume per character in the top 10. So that's why, uh, like hot Ryu is going to be an honorable mention, but it's, he didn't get on there because he doesn't beat Ryu Jin. Um, there's, uh, there's another costume for this character that I think is up there, but if I had to pick one, I would say it's Nikali and his Halloween werewolf costume. Um, it, it looks pretty decent in and of itself. I, I like the idea, but the, the concept behind it of applying, if you're doing a Halloween theme and you see this character who who uh, literally evolves mid-match and becomes a more visceral, animalistic version of himself, that lends itself so 
perfectly to the idea of a werewolf, of a wolfman. And for them to have identified that and pulled the trigger on it and done it, it's like, this is so perfect for who Nikali is, the the very little that we actually know about him because his story is just kind of all over the place and seems almost like arbitrary in a lot of ways, but we won't go there. Um, Nikali as a werewolf, I've, I've got to give that a spot on the list. Yeah, it, this was a costume that you rocked for the longest time, mm-hmm. and we were listening to a lot of the Backstreet Boys back in the day. Uh, everybody and like in there, uh, someone's a werewolf. Oh, and yeah. We were like constantly trolling John with like images of like whoever the werewolf dude is. I don't know the Backstreet Boys name. Sorry about that. Liar. Um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, Ted or something like that. I don't know Tim something. It's one of those names in there. But anyway, he's a werewolf in there, and we we're like, hey, look, it's John Stacali. We were constantly sending him images and stuff of that for about like a year, yeah. and then we stopped. But now we're gonna start up again. So. <laughs> Right on. Uh, okay, next one on the list is Poison. Poison's story dress costume. Uh, this is a lot different than most everything else you see Poison in, um, but it is gorgeous. It is, I think it's like her most clothed costume, actually, but it is fairly form-fitting. Um, her hair is really done up in a, in a way that you don't see it for Poison almost at all. And then she wears these really big aviator kind of glasses, sunglasses. Mm. Um, my issue with Poison, if at all, in, in her design is that some in some of her costumes, her face looks fine. Um, and in other ones, it's kind of distractingly weird, and I'm not sure. I can't really put my finger on what it is specifically. It might be the way, you know, her hair frames it or something like that. I don't know. But this gets around that with the sunglasses. And then also, mm-hmm. like, everything else about it is just really beautiful. And then there's some... Um, uh, is it a uh, copatography where I get a lot of my uh, high definition Street Fighter uh, images that I'll use in a lot of banners and such. He's got a, a couple or he or she, I don't know, uh, has a couple of um, of, of pictures of, of this particular costume pose and stuff. And it's like every time I'm scrolling through, I'm like, oh, those look really good. Like that, that looks really good. I don't play the character. I don't see people using the costume a ton, but it's just a really beautiful design that gets my attention every time I'm scrolling by. Um, and so I got to give it a spot on the list. Yeah, it's uh, Christina Hendricks. Um, she's a knockout, and uh, Poison reminds me she a lot and of Mad Men. So, uh, yeah, Mad Men. Uh, she's uh, um, she's got red hair. She's got a very uh, curvy shape to her. So, uh, mm-hmm. po- they 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 definitely give Poison that Christina Hendricks uh, look. And she was on Firefly as well, I believe. Um, but um, if you're a sci-fi nerd uh, mm-hmm. like me, but anyway, um, but uh, this is one of my favorite costumes, absolutely in the game. Oh, would you uh, put Poison's it on your top ten? Oh. Poison's a knockout, man. I, I poison is, and this one beyond all so. of her other costumes, this specific. Oh one? yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. No, I, I one, I, I love almost every poison costume out there, uh, even from Street Fighter Four. Like, just poison's just freaking awesome. So like, she's she's one of the characters. Like, if I I, I wasn't committed one hundred twenty percent to Rose, like poison's probably the character I'd be playing right now. Uh, poison, uh, so much of what she is just works incredibly well for me. So, huh? Okay. Next one, uh, Holiday Bear Zangief. <laughs> awkward, awkward transition there, yeah. Oh, we're Only going to if you point it so. out. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Holiday Bear Zangief. Um, I see this one pop up quite a bit. Zangief actually has some pretty cool costumes that don't get used enough, like the Gladiator one with his like Maximus helmet on and, and um, um, some of his other ones too. But this one is, I think, his most popular. Uh, well, maybe not. Maybe the Macho Man uh, one is too. But but this one is cool because, uh, again, I'm, I'm kind of a stickler for if the costume uh, like like resonates with the character's identity in some creative and, and, and well... Uh, intuitive way i really like that you know so the whole thing with nikali and such for for example um but with uh with zangief well one he's russian they're all about bears and you kind of connection with california there too a little bit right um and then zangief has in his story that he's uh you know known for wrestling bears during a tornado or yeah it wouldn't have been a hurricane with tornado and that's how he developed his his attack and uh and also i think he's traditionally gay and he's like this big hulking hairy guy which i think is along the lines of you know bear in terms of the the gay community so so many things point back to bear for Zangief and then also it looks cool it's like this this like he's what did he slay a bear and then he like wears it like it's, that's pretty pretty cool um and uh, and I think it just in, in it, it's a Christmas costume so I don't know exactly how that plays in maybe I'm missing something from some uh Russian Christmas you know tale or something along those lines but it looks good it ties in with the character's identity really well and it's fairly popular so I say you know give, give Zangief give Zangief some love put him on the list 
Yeah, we're definitely getting canceled after all these uh, things because commenting about any kind of nature of Street Fighter and like the the racial stereotypes it has. Oh, that's next week's episode. Uh, yeah, we're gonna talk about El Fuerte, Rufus, all that good stuff. Let's T Hawk. Let's go, baby. <laughs> oh man, it's it's just even like diagnosing this stuff. I'm like going, oh man, like this is like it's so hard. It's so funny. Like too with spicy the for YouTube. Culture. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the cancel culture and stuff, like, fighting games should be, like, banned in every country and other stuff, but it's, like, and again, they're not to be taken too seriously. It's, like, it's stereotypes to play up, like, the stuff and whatnot, but just sometimes, like, when we're doing our our analyzing and stuff of it, I'm, like, oh, boy, like, this is, uh, we're getting in trouble here, but, uh, but, yeah, it's a a damn good costume. Uh, Zangief is great. He's iconic. Um, It's, um, you know, got the scar. Yeah, I I don't, I don't know what else to say. (laughs) Gay Zangief bear. Just trying to make you feel uncomfortable. Sorry. Next one on the list, Halloween Colleen. Um, this is not. This is probably my least favorite of of the ones that I put here. And and I'm tried to be faithful to my own feelings for most of this. But this is one that I think people really do like. Um, and and I do think it's well made. I just don't know how it really ties to the character. She has ice powers, which is more of like in the way of magic. And they might do some ice stuff, but I would imagine more fire. The Lion, um, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. What like, about she's it? She's an ice. She's an ice queen. Like she. She's an ice princess. Like and she's a witch. She's the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. The the main antagonist in the first book. Like she's the the. Uh, you think that it's witch, a Narnia callback? I mean, it, it's uh, like the ice witch is is still a thing. You know, I mean, you could. I, it's probably giving Capcom too much credit, but like, there's at least a history of it. I, I love fantasy stuff and D and D and all that. So, uh, but like to me, it makes sense also Nerd. because I love the costume and uh, shout out to Kitty Kaboom when she cosplayed in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I mean, it is uh, it's a Colleen's gorgeous mm-hmm. in that. So I, I'm a pretty big. Fan I think of it. she like, looks yeah. uh, looks a little better in a couple of other costumes in terms of that. But I, I do think this is a, a, a wrong, beautiful. But well, yeah. you're wrong, but that's okay. You're allowed to. You're wrong. It's my segment. Uh, but it, it, I will admit it does look good. I can appreciate why people like it, and I will at least give one spot on my list to one that I didn't go with my gut for. But I think you know there's an argument to be made that it's one of the best costumes. So there. <laughs> the last one is, uh, and I didn't have this on there, but I, I as I thought about it, um, I had to swap it out. It was going to be an honorable mentions, but it, it can't be because um, there's there's too much behind it. Um, Jury is one of the most popular characters, and in modern times, um, when you know I post a lot of uh, uh, fighting game art to the front page. It's kind of one of the things that I like to do, um, and when I'm looking around for him, there are certain characters like Chun Li, Morgan, Mai. Um, cami that pop up all the time and jury has very clearly joined them despite being a much younger character than most all of those uh there are always artwork of jury people love the character she has oftentimes whole collections that like artists will they'll draw a bunch of characters but they'll also do a bunch of jury just just straight up jury and uh, she's so beloved and and it's no reason or it's no wonder why she has a lot of personality it's it's uh it's an enticing attractive personality she's got a lot of confidence but she's sinister she's able mm-hmm. she's got everything that you want you know she can be the waifu and she can be the villain all of this stuff and so her school costume imagines jury as if she were in high school and you think well there's there's enough personality here that i care and that i would care to think about okay Maybe also where would she, what's she going to be like in a few years, but even more so, what was she like on the road to getting to where she is now? And you think like if Jury were in high school, what kind of person, what what tables would she sit at? She's got goth like spiderweb stuff and a bunch of piercings and different color hair. And you're like, and like, the, does she have like Beetlejuice stockings, something like that? It's like, it's so perfectly what Jury would be at a younger stage. And it, it encapsulates that so well. I remember when it was first revealed, people really liked it. They're like, oh, that's that's so good. And it's it's for such a such a beloved character. Maybe not for her abilities in game, but certainly for her personality and for who she is as a Street Fighter character. She is uh, just kind of like an overnight became on that, uh, just reached that same status as Chun-Li and Mai and Morgan in certain ways. She also has some proving to do just in the long term of, uh, you know, having longevity and such. But Jury's beloved. This captures her identity, which is a very important part, perhaps the most important part of her as a character. Uh, and, it, and it imagines where she would be in high school. And um, I just think it's really well thought out and really well executed. 
Yeah, yeah, I love it too. And and so if you guys feel like John missed something that he should have hit, go ahead and just write in the comments below here and just tell him how bad he sucks. Um, I have some honorable mentions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I don't even want you to get to those because I, I it, it's just I, I want people to blow you up in the comments and blow me up. Well, I'm already, I'm this is my last episode, so I'm done. But so it doesn't matter if they blow me up or not. But anyway, um, but who are your honorable? Well, mentions? I also want to ask you: Did I miss any obvious ones that you would have put on the list? Felicia Manat. So, uh, okay, so I do I, have Manat, and, and Felicia Manat is very close to uh, Battle Manat, which is like Fifth Element. They're both basically wearing mummy tape, yep. uh, and, and it's just yeah. super sexualized, whatever. Everybody loves that. Fair enough. Um, I just thought, like, yeah, that's it's, it's appreciated and up there, but I, I honorable mention. Um, anyone else? Well, uh, the thing about Felicia Manat is when I played at Capcom Cup, uh, I overheard someone saying about my costume because you know, I'm like, oh, hey, all the costumes are on here. I'm going to play it. They're like, that costume should be banned for how revealing it is. And I'm like, yes. I'm like, <laughs> mission accomplished. That was exactly what I was going for because I want to distract the other player with how sexy my character is because that's half the goal. That's why you play female characters in these games. Like for some people, for me, well, know, it's like, I need, I need every dirty advantage I can get. And so I'm going to dress my character as skim, as scantily clad as I can get away with. There it is. Flesh pits Molina from MK nine, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, I have some, uh, some honorable mentions, Mecca Abigail. That's, that's definitely up there. It, it fits the character really well. It's pretty cool. Um, Rose swimsuit. Uh, what do you like? Is that your favorite Rose costume of them all? Or is that yeah, not um, your, yeah, yeah, it's, it's my favorite. This one I use all the time, but mm -hmm. I also like her her dress from Alpha uh, that they have as well. But, uh, but yes, okay, so yeah, Rose swimsuit, Renaissance Gill, Renaissance Gill, I think was the one that I had instead of um, no, 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 actually it doesn't, but it, it's uh, it's a fellow CPT costume actually. But Renaissance Gill, like I saw that and it's like, wait, who is that? What is that? It, it immediately got my brain wondering like a couple of questions and wanting to investigate more. It's like, is that Leonardo da Vinci, Leonardo Di Di DiCaprio, Renaissance? I don't know. But, uh, you know, and as you go and you look at it, there's a bunch of little details to it. I thought they were really cool. So I just thought a, a, a well-made costume and um, one that makes you kind of think and, and expect a little bit more. Uh, Hot Ryu for the way it resonated and for what it did. Uh, I mean, it wasn't even initially called Hot Ryu, but it had such a, a it got such a reaction from the fans that they uh that they deemed it that and it kind of garnered that name just uh organically uh hippie g it's one of the most recent costumes to come out i didn't no one realized that they wanted hippie g and um and at first i didn't like what does this have to do with the president uh you know like the, the, this has nothing to do with g as a character but he is the president of the earth he draws his power from from earth from gaia so that's kind of like a you know hippie one in touch with nature and the earth and stuff like that so i get it and it looks really cool like just the the way it kind of glitz and gleams in the in the light i don't know something about it but it's it's totally groovy man and then the uh, the other one is Honda's Halloween uh, turtle demon. It's, I know it's not a turtle. It's a, a is it Tengu? Kappa, right? Kappa, Kappa, Kappa. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. No, no, yeah, Kappa. you're totally right. Um, and and again, it's just so perfect for Honda. Uh, I, I really think there's a lot of opportunity with the Halloween costumes to to do this to line these characters up with similar uh, other entities that people can recognize. And the fact that he's a turtle character, uh, it's just like don't miss this opportunity. And I think they did it with him before in Street Fighter Four. They made him the turtle, and that was good too. But uh, I think it's a, it's really cool. And then the way you can take off the helm or the the head, and it's just like him in a costume like that, or you can mm -hmm. see him through the beak is a cute little touch to it too. So um, those are my honorable mentions. I think that's the last one. Yep. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, Gutsman you know, Balrog, I love, I love Gutsman Balrog because I love Mega Man. Mm -hmm. So it's um, see, that's I, one of I my might, costumes, I didn't so. play much Mega yeah. Man in the day, so it, it didn't mm -hmm. resonate with me in the same way. But yeah, I've I've seen a, a lot of love for Gutsman Balrog for sure. All right, Josh. Well, um, I think that's going to wrap us up for the Event Hubs podcast. Normally at this time I say uh, thank you for listening and we're going to be back with you soon, but both of us got canceled in this episode. I'm done so. with all the canceling stuff. I, whatever, yeah. bring it on. <laughs> so we won't be back with you soon, but thank you, I guess, for listening. And there it is. See you guys. <laughs> all right, see ya. Perfect.